Good morning. My name is Andy. I'm the assistant pastor here. It's a privilege to bring to you our first lesson this morning from Matthew chapter 1. Now, as I start, I want to ask a question then. What is something that you look forward to this Christmas and holiday season? You know, what is something that you look forward to this Christmas and holiday season? Is it rest from a long season of work? Is it joy of being around family members? Is it something that you're looking forward to? Maybe some of the younger ones, perhaps their answer is presence, right? We are looking forward to our presence tomorrow. Maybe there's something deeper here. Perhaps some of you are looking for hope, hope for a better future, especially in the upcoming year. Or still, perhaps even deeper than some of you may be looking for meaning or purpose, purpose in life because you've been wandering and hopping from one thing to another and none of these things are satisfying. So you're looking for more. You know, while there may be many reasons to what we long for for this Christmas, the celebration of Christmas in the Bible is the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. You know, you may know this story growing up because you've attended church or perhaps, you know, you've heard it from someone else. But why does it matter that Jesus came into this world as a baby? And what is the point? See, the Bible tells us that the people in those days have been living in darkness for a long time because the people have suffered greatly. They have experienced abandonment, war, exile, corruption, brokenness in relationship, and various other social problems. But here's the thing, the root of the problem that resulted from all these things is sin. People are living in darkness because the people are living in sin, which is more than just the things that we did wrong, but it is a condition that we all have inherited from our forefathers, Adam and Eve, that made our lives, that made, it, made us live our lives in constant rebellion against God, the God who made us, the God who rescued us. But here's the beauty of the Christmas story. Because Christmas is a proof that God will not let sin get the better of us. Christmas is a proof that God will not let sin get the better of us. Christmas is the answer to our deepest pains, which is sin. You know, some things in life just don't make sense as you think about this in the world that we live in today. You know, things that are hard, things that are confusing, things that are even painful. And it helps us to know that there is a God above who hears us, who sees our groans and our pains and, and sees our tears. You know, when things don't make sense, we have a God who understands. He knows what sin has done in our lives, how it has affected our society, how it has corrupted this world. And he has an answer for it. But it may, not, it may be a surprising answer to many people and certainly it wasn't an answer that the people were looking for in those days. You know, when this world, by its sin, declared war on God, here's one what pastor said, the God of heaven and earth sent a baby into this world. When this world, by its sin, declared war on God, the God of heaven and earth sent a baby to this world. 
You know, many of us are perhaps familiar with this story of the birth of Jesus. God appeared to Mary and Joseph, declaring to them that they will be parents to a baby boy who will be savior for his people. His name shall be called Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins, as we see in verse 21. And God also told them that this birth is a fulfillment of a promise he made to his people throughout the Old Testament. You know, as we see the quote from verse 23, it's taken from Isaiah 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And as you think about the significance of God with us, as you think about the significance of Jesus being sent into this world, why? Why would God do that? Well, let me give you three quick reasons. The reason why God will do that is because God, our God, is a God who pursues us. You know, when sin was rampant in the lives of his people, when his people chooses to rebel and live apart from God, God took the initiative to reach out to his people. He pursues his people. You may be running towards one direction away from God, but God is not going to leave you. He's going to run after you. He knows that because of our sinful condition, we can't fix ourselves no matter how hard we try. So he comes to us with the solution in Jesus. And second, he's a God who identifies with us. God sent Jesus into this world, not as a powerful king, but as a helpless baby boy to show us that he knows our helplessness and identifies with it. As Jesus grew into a man, he continues to identify with us in many ways, such as living in poverty, exhaustion, temptation, betrayal, grief, suffering, and feeling forsaken by God. And Jesus went through all of this identification so that he might bear sins, shame, and guilt through his sacrifice on the cross. And finally, God is a God who loves us. He did all this because he simply loves us. He passionately loves his people. He pursues us and identifies with our sin simply because he loves us. He cares for us so much that he does not want us to dwell in our sin. And this is love. Love cares. Love corrects. Love guides. And love is sacrificial. And these qualities of love were displayed by Jesus for his people. And God loves us just like a parent would love his children, doing everything for his children. And he wants to be our God and invites us to be his people so that ultimately we will experience true freedom and security and to be able to live our lives as we were meant to be. Let's stand as we continue to worship. Oh 
comes from Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. 
Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, and that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they, re they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I would like to add my welcome to Andy's. Um, my name is Angus. I am the new youth director here at Trinity Park Church. And this is the first time that I've actually been up here in front of you all. So it is really lovely to see you. Um, but if you are visiting, I would especially like to meet you. I'm new here too. I'd love to meet some new people. Um, so come find me after the service and I would love to get to know you. But we've just heard from Andy how a savior was born, a savior born in Bethlehem. And I know many of us can amen at a savior. And we're delighted that someone would come to bring healing and restoration and wholeness. But what about Jesus the King? We just sung one of my favorite carols, Hark the Herald, Glory to the Newborn King. Because Christmas at his heart is about a baby who was born to reveal who God is, to die and save people, but also to rule and reign as a rightful king. And I know I find this message hard, and I can see, and as I look out at a world that is suffering and in need, people try and fix it, but, but there's something that they can't do. But, but submitting to a ruler, submitting to a ruler even if they can fix that, well, that sounds hard. It sounds almost un-American as I've come to meet some Americans. It's why you seem to tend to have a, this rebellious party on the 4th of July. Something about you don't like British people or a king or tea. I, I, I struggle to understand. But I think this is why Corey asked me to speak, because he's like, oh, you have a king. You must know. You must understand what it's like to have a king. Well, even in Scotland, we still struggle with a king. Um, but I, I do love my king, and I do love America. But... We struggle with someone who would demand our allegiance, someone who would come and say that we have to follow them. Yet they live in a palace, they've got jewels, they've got a crown, and yet people who are subjects of them can sometimes struggle to eat. And for all of us, it can, we can sometimes be weary because, and sometimes a bit weary because our experience of kings and rulers and bosses and anyone else in authority can often be quite like that. 
We can look at the world with its wars and its injustice, and we can see a lot of it stems back to someone wanting to have power over someone else. But we also have a desire in ourselves to rule and to reign. And often we don't mind Jesus when he comes to offer us blessing and a lovely Christmas festival. But when he asks us to take the crown off our own heads, when he asks us to come and submit and follow him, things can get a bit uneasy. But the question is, how is, how is Jesus different to these other kings? How can we come and follow him? And this is not something new. And in Jesus' day, in the, the passage that we read here, we have people who are longing. People who are just looking out on their world and saying, wouldn't someone come? Wouldn't God answer his promises and send a king who would rule justly? They're wondering, has God forgotten? Has God forgotten his promises? And has God forgotten his care for us? Because they lived under Roman rule. And they lived under King Herod. And we're introduced to him in, in the first verse of chapter 2. And he's called Herod the Great, not because he was particularly great, but because he built a temple, a nice palace, and, and he ruled with an iron fist. But also in that first verse of chapter 2, we, we're introduced to hope. Hope into this darkness of these evil kings. We're told Jesus is born. Jesus is born in Bethlehem, the city of kings. And we also meet these wise men who come seeking a king. And they're following a star because they have read, and they have read in these accounts that this star means now is the time. Now is the birth of this long-promised king. A king for all nations. But they come to Jerusalem. They come to the capital city and they walk in. But not everyone's excited as them. A king? Was there a king born here? No one told us. We only have a king and he's not very nice. But we can't say that. And so Jerusalem is, is a bit worried and King Herod is quite worried. But the religious scholars, um, when they're asked by King Herod, they're not so worried. They, they pull out their, their text and they go, ah, yes, Micah 5 verse 2. Yes, Bethlehem. A ruler shall come from Bethlehem. And so King Herod, not happy. Who could be a better king than me, he thinks. And we're going to hear about this from Corey. He'll speak about it, about it later. You'll see that he comes up with a very nasty plan. Not very nice. But these wise men, they leave and they go, okay, we're going to Bethlehem. This little town in the middle of nowhere, we're going there. We're going off to Bethlehem. And this star leads them to a baby. And they rejoice. Rejoice with exceeding joy. As a Scot, I, I don't really know what exceeding joy is, but I look forward to discovering it. But exceedingly great joy. And these rich powerful men from a far country come and take off their crowns before the true king. Notice they give their gifts and their worship not to the mother or to the father, but to this baby. And I think I, like many others, are wary of kings because we know kings and rulers and leaders like Herod. But like 
the people in Jesus' day. We have a longing. And do you have a longing? Looking out at this world and all the mess that we see, have you ever hoped that someone would do something? A ruler of a different sort who would come and rule with justice and peace? Someone who would care for the weak, not just his friends? And as I'm coming to America and you've got presidential season coming up, I think this is why we all get so excited. We think maybe this time, this year, this one will be the different one who will bring about peace and justice. But I think that's often why we get so disappointed. And we still have a longing. So my question is, why is Jesus different? Why should he be my king and why should he be your king? You already have a government, a boss, someone over you. Is Jesus just another taskmaster, someone to add to your burdens? Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is different. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and he will give you rest. This weary world needs Jesus to be their king. See, this Bible, it promises this king, and it also displays this king. And if, and if you're new here or you're just looking into Christian things, I would love to look at this with you. And there's people in this church who would love to show you this Jesus. As you go through the Gospel of Matthew, account of his life, you get to see a king who's not like any you've ever experienced. One that, that just, that is almost like, he's the king. And we realize he is the king we're all waiting for. He's the king, that, the one king that actually might take my crown off my head and follow. But come back. Come back here. We meet every Sunday. We come back at the same time. I'm actually speaking next Sunday about this king and his people and how different they are. And this is a really good time to get back into church. It's a really good time to get back into a new season. But I want to remind us, why is this good news? Why is it good news that Jesus is your king? Because we live in a world that is longing, longing for a leader to be different. A leader who will be for all backgrounds, all people, all cultures, all nations, all tongues, and people of all different pasts. A leader who unites all people, not just divides them and seeks to create his own little group, a leader who lays down his life. A leader like this, we read, a good shepherd who leads his people. A leader who goes out and finds the lost. So that even if you've walked away, even if you feel that Jesus is, would have nothing to do with you, he comes to find you. And he comes to lay down his life for you. So will you come and follow this king? Just want to invite everyone now. We're just going to take a moment and just uh, reflect here, consider the longing within our hearts, and let's use this as an opportunity to consider who the one is that ultimately can satisfy. It is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Right. 
brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. was born, O night, O holy night, O night divine, led by the serenely beaming with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand so led by light of a star sweetly gleaming here came the wise men from Orient land. The king of kings lay thus in lonely manger in all our trials, born to be our friend. He knows our is no stranger. Behold your King before him lowly bend. Behold your King before Sisters, let's go ahead and stand now as we continue to worship together. This is also our time of offering. It's an opportunity for us to worship through giving. So you can find a QR code in the front of your seat. And if you'd like to give in person, there are deacons and individuals in the back who can also assist you with that. We're going to continue to sing these truths. Our Savior is Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, mighty God. Let's sing of it now.
people who walked. The people who walked in the darkness have seen a great light come. The people who dwelled in the shadows have seen a new day dawn. To us a sun is given, to us a child is
next reading is Matthew 2, 13 through 23. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warmed in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. you this morning. Um, yeah, Merry Christmas to you all and welcome on my, um, on my behalf uh, from Trinity Park. Angus and Andy already did a good job of welcoming you, but we're so glad that you're here. Uh, my homily covers another aspect of Jesus. So we've looked at him as our Savior and our King, and now I'm looking at him as the Son, the Son. And you might wonder, why do we need a Son? Uh, what, is, what is that? There's a lot of things that go into Jesus being the Son, but in this passage, the picture for us is that Jesus is the Son that we all uh, should have been. Uh, he here what in his his life and in the the geographic way that we trace the early life of Jesus, we find here that Jesus retraces the story of ancient Israel. He starts out in uh, the area that we would call Palestine or Israel today in the promised land. And then as we read there, that's a quote from Hosea 11.1 1, down in verse 15, that it's pretty amazing that Jesus actually uh, recapitulates the story of ancient Israel in a way that would have been unmistakable for the reader of that day. So as they're reading along, they have this one who was born Savior and King. And now he goes from where? He goes from Bethlehem. He goes from Judea. He goes from Palestine. And then due to the, this anger of Herod, he then goes to Egypt. And they would have immediately thought, wow, this is just like our forefathers who had to do what? Jacob and his sons uh, with Joseph, they, they had to go to Egypt. They also fled as refugees from their homeland. Uh, in their case, it was due to famine. They had to leave. It was a threat on their life. And so they had to go 
to Egypt, and in Egypt they found refuge. And Jesus would take the same path. He would start in Judea. He would start in the, the Palestinian area, and then he would go to Egypt to find refuge at a young age. And for, so for every, every Israelite, they're thinking, this, this one not only came for me, but he takes the same geographic path of our people. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He then goes from Egypt where he then he returns as one as who came from the exile. Those who are reading this text would have been a people whose parents had returned or their grandparents had returned in the exile. So in Jesus, you have one who took refuge to Egypt and who is a returnee to the promised land. Everyone in Israel would have noticed this. You and I might not have noticed this because we don't live in this world, in this worldview. But what you have here is Jesus the Son recapitulating or reliving the story of ancient Israel and exilic Israel. Why is this so important? It's because we needed someone who wouldn't just come for us, but who would walk the same paths and the same journey and take the same journey of the people of God. It says there, the, the full quote in Hosea 11.1 1 is, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. God loves his people. He loved ancient Israel. He loves you, and he loves me. And he calls us to respond to that love, as has been talked about by Angus and Andy, to respond with faith, but we don't always respond that way. We, we, we sin, we, we mess up. We need someone who will come to save us, but in order to save us, Jesus, what did he do? He walked the exact same path, the same journey that we are on. So particularly, he is the one who, who fills in the story. He is the true redeemer of Israel. He's the true redeemer of God's people. He doesn't just walk the geographic path. He walks the path of humanity. He takes on human flesh. He goes through everything, all the miseries of this life that we go through so that he can become our savior and our king. Without him being the faithful, perfect son, he can't be the savior and he can't be the king. And so for all of us, this is good news. If you're a refugee here today, and we do have a, a refugee or two, and I know we have some probably watching as well, or if you've ever been forcibly displaced from your homeland due to war or famine, due to the threat of genocide, I want to ask you, what other God in the world can identify with your story like Jesus does? Jesus was indeed a refugee. He identifies with all of the refugees in this world. Right now, there are more refugees in this world, more displaced people from their home than there have ever been before. And what an unbelievable truth that we have a God who actually was a refugee, who experienced even that, that element of great suffering in this world. The final thing I'll talk about here is Jesus doesn't only retell the story as the son in that way, but he also stands in for Moses in a way that's really striking here. Um, if you recall, when Moses, Moses was one of the great leaders, uh, it was thought, you know, he was a great leader. He also really messed up a lot. That's one of the things you'll learn in the Bible. Everybody messes up, but Jesus. But Moses was revered as a great leader, and he was a great leader in his own right. But when Moses was born, what happened? Pharaoh got angry and tried to do away with all of the children, all the male children born at that time. Interestingly, Jesus has the very same thing happen to him. For an Israelite, they would have been thinking immediately, wow, 
This, this one, this Jesus is treated just like Moses was. Under, under, when we need a new leader under this threat, what did God do? He protected Moses and he pre-protected Jesus. So Jesus is the better Moses. He's the greater Moses. He's the greater leader. He's the greater redeemer. In a moment, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And what did the people of God do in, in Moses' greatest moment as a leader Right before they went through the Red Sea in what is called the Exodus, they ate a meal together. They ate a meal, a meal together for sustenance. There was also a picture of solidarity with the lamb, with the lamb who was slain. And they, they ate this meal together. And, and so Moses led them on this first Exodus. But everybody who passed through those waters in the first Exodus ended up dying. And so what did Jesus do? He came as the greater Moses to bring a second Exodus through the cross, so that through the cross and through the empty tomb, we would have new life and we would be able to go to heaven. We would, if we believe in him, we would never die. So in this story, we find that Jesus walks the path with us. He's the better leader than, that we need. He's the true son. And so we worship him. And without him being the son, he can't be the king. He can't be the savior, but he's all three. And so we can bring him great glory today. Let's continue to worship.